invite you to turn in your Bibles to uh, Romans 16, verse 21. We're drawing to a close. Lord willing, we'll conclude next week uh, with the uh, closing doxology benediction. And as you're turning there, um, Romans 16:21. that's on page 951 of our Pew Bibles. Uh, thank you for your, your prayers, uh, for Lynn and for me. The Lord gives us strength every day and um, uh, 14 more treatments to go. And, but thank you uh, for your prayers. But hear God's word. Um, let us actually begin with verse 17. We'll back up. Romans 16, 17, and reading through verse 23. Uh, This is the word of God. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I might rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Now verse 21, Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus greet you. Amen to this reading of God's holy, divinely inspired word. Uh, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, um, we praise and thank you uh, that, that you do guard us by the truth of your word. Guard us against the attacks of the evil one. Lord, thank you that you grow us in our grace and knowledge and love for Jesus. And uh, Lord, as we have just sung, may, we, may that be our prayer, that we might love thee more day by day. Love thee faithfully, Lord, until that day when you call us home or come again. Lord, continue to... Uh, to strengthen us, sustain us by the truth of your word, by your indwelling Holy Spirit, all for the glory of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. If you have any cobweb memories of Shakespeare, uh, you might remember this line from uh, Romeo and Juliet, when Juliet says to Romeo, her newfound love, Good night, good night. Parting is such sweet sorrow that I shall say good night till it be morrow. 
Now, here in Romans 16, uh, 21 through 23, and encourage you to keep your Bibles open as we study God's word together. You know, we've heard in, in this chapter the lengthy and the loving greetings uh, that the Apostle Paul has given to um, his beloved brothers and sisters in the church at Rome. You know, three sermons just talking about the greetings, and now one more set of greetings. Uh, we've already heard the greetings from the Apostle Paul to the church at Rome, but this set of greetings is different. You know, this is the church at Corinth, and the Apostle Paul is writing this epistle to the church at Rome from the city of Corinth. And, and the church, uh, the brothers there who are with Paul, brothers in Christ, are now sending their greetings uh, to the church at Rome. These are the final greetings of gospel laborers. As I said, next Lord's Day, we'll conclude with that grace-saturated doxology in Romans 16, 25 through 27. You know, but this morning, let us learn that in their final greetings, you know, the church, the church at Corinth, the church proclaims their gospel solidarity in Christ. Well, how can the church today, then, proclaim our gospel solidarity, gospel solidarity in Christ. And, you know, as we look at each of these three verses, just three short verses and yet three gospel-rich verses, we'll see first uh, the holy labors uh, of God's gospel laborers, then there are, we'll see next the humble laborers, and then finally the hospitable labors. Look there at Romans 16, verse 21. Uh, actually, in, in the original, the first word there is greetings. You know, greetings uh, from Timothy, you know, my fellow worker. We've already seen that word fellow worker uh, used of Prisca and Aquila in verse 3. Then again, verse 9, Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. You know, but now we'll begin to see the solidarity of holy labors, holy in the sense that they're carrying out God's kingdom work. You know, what's a, what's a fellow worker? You know, Robert Haldane, in his classic work on Romans, uh, gives us this uh, short definition, scriptural definition. He writes, one who labors to make sinners acquainted with the gospel of salvation. One who labors to make sinners acquainted with the gospel of salvation. And so in a very real sense, we are all fellow workers, not just with Timothy or the Apostle Paul, but we are fellow workers with Christ. You know, that's our kingdom work, our call to holy labors. You know, and as we look at the life of Timothy, and here's just an introduction. Timothy labored with Paul in the holy ministry of sowing gospel seeds, planting gospel churches, discipling believers so that they in turn would love Jesus, labor for the Lord, and live for his glory. You know, but more on Timothy in a minute. 
You know, so the first holy laborer is Timothy, and then in that same verse we have the three kinsmen of Paul, kinsmen referring to his fellow Jews, Jews who are trusting in Christ. Three names here, Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, Lucius, You can find out more about him in Acts 13, verse 1. He was a prophet or a teacher in the church at Antioch. And it was the church at Antioch who sent off Barnabas and Saul and their gospel labors. So we have Lucius as a holy laborer. Then Jason. Uh, We can find out a bit more about Jason. Acts chapter 17, verse 5 and following. Hear this, or or you can follow along in your own Bibles, Acts 17, verse 5. Um, This is from Thessalonica. Uh, But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. You know, I I love that expression. You know, why are the crowds so upset? You know, two reasons. One, they're proclaiming another king, really the true king, king of kings, and that's Jesus. You know, but, but what's the second charge? May it be said of us today, they turned the world upside down. So we have gospel laborer and Lucius and of Jason, finally of of Sosipater. He accompanied Paul on the way to Macedonia. But all three of them worked together with the Apostle Paul in gospel labors. They were holy laborers for the Lord. You know, but let's go back to Timothy for a minute. You know, as we go through these three short verses, you'll, you'll, you'll see that there is a one-word description of each of these gospel laborers. You know, Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, they were kinsmen of Paul, but what's it say of Timothy? Timothy is a fellow worker. That's all one word in, in uh, Greek. So let's revisit Timothy. He was a native of Lystra. He was a convert of Paul. One commentator called Timothy Paul's right-hand man. You know, but a, a few facts, scriptural truths we should know about Timothy. He struggled as a child. His mother was Jewish and his father was Greek. Acts 16.1. Later on, Paul had Timothy circumcised, and why was that? Uh, So that Timothy could accompany Paul into the the synagogue without an uproar, without riots, so that the gospel could be proclaimed. So he struggled as a child. But secondly, 
More importantly, I believe he had a scriptural upbringing. A scriptural upbringing. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Paul writes to Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith, the faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. No mention of Timothy's father. You know, but, but his mother and his grandmother raised up Timothy you know, in that fear, knowledge, and love of the Lord. You know, his sincere faith in the Lord. And lest we think that's incidental, 2 Timothy 3.15, just a few chapters later, Paul again writes, 2 Timothy 3.15, And how from childhood or infancy, from the cradle, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You know, parents, grandparents, children are never too young to hear the word of God. And the second encouragement we have from from all of this, you know, as well, is that, you know, these were godly mothers. You know, for, for those mothers who are trying to raise their children in the fear and love of Christ and, and uh, don't feel like they have the support of all their family, their husbands, you know, look at how the Lord used Paul's mother, grandmother, uh, to raise Timothy in uh, the knowledge and love of Christ. Third, about Timothy, uh, he was stressed as a young Christian. That, that word isn't in um, Scripture, my edition. Remember, Paul told Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you for your youthfulness. You know, in other words, Timothy, you, know, you, you may be young, teenager, you know, but Timothy, be bold in your faith. Be courageous in, in your faith in Christ. And that was a hard thing where you respected your elders, certainly your elder, older Christians. And, and Paul himself said, don't, don't let anyone look down on you, Timothy. Don't let anyone dismiss you, pass you by. As well, Timothy had the stress of an unsettled stomach. He had health problems even as a youth. Remember, Paul told Timothy, and we have to take this in context, you know, take a little wine for your health. You know, this will help you, Timothy. Calm your nerves, not be anxious, fearful. And, and yet Timothy was growing in the faith. One more verse about Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, verse 5. Paul writes to Timothy, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. You know, what a challenge uh, to a, a young, younger Christian. Be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry by God's grace. 
You know, and finally with Timothy, he had a solidarity with Paul. He struggled as a child, scriptural upbringing, stressed as a young Christian, but a solidarity with Paul. You know, Paul at first was a spiritual father to Timothy. He mentored Timothy, but then Timothy traveled with Paul on his second and third missionary journeys, and before long, Paul called Timothy a servant of Christ. That, that same description he used of himself. And now he is a fellow worker. They're, they're laboring together as God's holy laborers. You know, each of these names is important. Timothy, Lucius, Justin, Sosipater. You know, when I directed may have told this story before, but when I directed a Christian summer camp for children, Lynn was there for a few of the summers, did it for three years, and most weeks we had about 50 campers. Back then I had more mental horsepower, and so I made it my goal every week to learn the names of every camper. We began Sunday night. It was my goal to do it by Tuesday noon. I knew if I didn't set a deadline, I would give up, and, and uh, most every week, uh, you know, I, I learned their names. I, I wanted to know them, so it could be praying for them, praying for their counselors, praying for their salvation. The problem I found out is that with my finite mind, I would delete their names after they left camp. I didn't have room to remember the next 50 campers. You know, but, but names, these children, these people, these youth are important not only to Paul, but more importantly to Timothy, but to the Lord himself. You know, and as, we, as you go through scriptures, don't pass by the names. You know, these believers are important to God, whether it's Adam, Eve, Abraham, his wife Sarah, whether it's Mary or Timothy or Lucius, Jason, Sosipater. You know, God knows you intimately and loves you securely. There's a great verse, John chapter 10, verse 3. Uh, Lord brought it to um, my eyes, as I was preparing, John chapter 10, verse 3. It's the chapter, Jesus is the good shepherd. John 10, 3, to him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. You know, God knows your name, even now. God knows my name. Not only knows our name, he, he loves us in Christ. You know, because of the holy labors of those who shared the gospel with us, whether it was our mother, grandmother, Sunday school teacher, summer Christian camp, wherever it might have been, you know, God's holy laborers uh, proclaiming the gospel. You know, and along with this, just before we move on, the first point is, is the longest one. You know, our, great, our gracious God bestows every believer, you know, with a spiritual gift. You know, we saw that earlier in Romans chapter 12. But he calls every believer 
to holy labors. You know, we're not sitting on the bench, you know, waiting for God to call us in the game. You know, we're not in the unemployment line. You know, when am I going to get a call, you know, to labor for the Lord? The Lord calls each one of us to be involved now in his kingdom work by his grace and for his glory. The solidarity of holy labors for the Lord. Secondly, verse 22, the solidarity of humble labors for the Lord. Just one name here in verse 22. Reading it again, literally it would read like this, I greet you all, Tertius, the one who wrote this letter or epistle in the Lord. A Tertius is a Roman name. It's a name only mentioned here. He, he humbly labored for the Lord as a scribe. If you're ever playing Scrabble, uh, the, the technical name for Tertius, he was uh, an amuensis. A-M-A-N-U-E-N-S-I-S. There'll be a test following the sermon today. See if you can still spell it. You know, but, but what is Timothy here? You know, when he says he wrote the letter, well, I thought Paul wrote the letter. Well, the, the best way of understanding it is Timothy is a scribe. You know, keep in mind uh, that the Apostle Paul had bad eyesight, and it seems he was a, uh, a poor handwriter. You know, Galatians 6.11 mentions that that he is writing with these large letters so that he can see them. You know, but as scripture teaches us, you know, Tertius, it seems it took place this way. The apostle Paul heard God speaking to him. You know, that's why we call scripture inspired. Paul wasn't inspired. God caused this inspiration to take place. And so Paul spoke then the word of God and Tertius was there writing down the words you know, that, that our true and triune God spoke to Paul and Tertius wrote it down. And I'm sure if there was ever any uh, doubt you know, that, that Paul would have Tertius reread you know, what, what did I just say? Or more importantly, what did the Lord just say? We want to have this exactly right. Remember, Scripture tells us, 2 Peter 1.21, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You know, so our, our holy God spoke Men recorded these inspired words, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and they wrote down the the words of Christ. So the Lord God graciously used the humble labors of Tertius to record this epistle to the Romans. And note that little phrase, in the Lord. Tertius carried out his gospel labors as unto the Lord. If you struggle with saying amuensis, you could just say, well, Tertius was a secretary. 
you know, that, that humble task of back in the old days, you know, dictating a letter, a long letter here from the Lord. But Tertius did it in the Lord. You know, it's it said by one commentator, Leon Morris, it was a piece of service to Jesus Christ. You know, in Tertius, we see that God calls every Christian to humbly labor for the Lord in the most menial tasks. I can't labor for the Lord. You know, I'm not like the Apostle Paul. I don't have all that schooling, all of that training. I don't have the words to say, sort of like Moses tried to use that argument with the Lord. You know, the Lord calls, often calls Christians to meaningless and, and from a worldly standpoint or even from our own standpoint, an insignificant task. Well, no one sees what I'm doing. No one cares what I'm doing. You know, but let us labor in the Lord, whether we're transcribing God's inspired and inerrant word, filling prescriptions, teaching school, cutting the grass, fighting fires, teaching Bible studies, caring for covenant children, looking after widows and orphans. And we could add to that list. You know, the Lord calls us to humble labors for the Lord. You know, never see your daily tasks as insignificant or incidental in God's eyes. You know, persevere in your humble labors for the Lord. It's back a few years, but in Jackson, Mississippi, I had a pastoral friend who was on the staff. He wasn't the senior pastor at one of the, what they call, Paul Steeple churches there in Jackson. And, and one day I was walking uh, with this friend down a long hallway, you know, and we were chatting. Uh, but whenever he encountered, you know, a janitor, a church maintenance man, someone on the church staff, you know, and it was a big church. He greeted them by name. He knew their names. Found out later he not only knew their names, he, he would pray for them. Stop and pray for them right then and there. He invested his time not only in learning their names, but showing them the love of Christ, encouraging them. A, a truth to keep in mind as we go about day by day. We you know, if we don't think of ourselves as humble laborers, you know, the Lord will bring other humble laborers across your path. And don't look away. Don't pass them by. Don't dismiss them. You know, the, the one at the fast food stand window or whoever it might be. See it as an opportunity, a privilege to be a witness for Christ. You know, let us gladly and gratefully carry out God's gospel labors with humility. Humility, because we are unworthy servants, is what God's word tells us. Humbly carrying out the Lord's commands. But finally, there's a solidarity of hospitable labors for the Lord. So we've seen already holy labor, solidarity of holy labors, solidarity of humble labors for the Lord, solidarity of hospitable labors for the Lord. Now verse 23 of Romans 16. 
Again, literally, it reads this way, greets you all, Gaius, host of me and the whole church, greets you all, Erastus, the city treasurer, and Quartus, our brother. When you, if you have a concordance and you start looking up the name Gaius, you'll see that there are at least three Gaiuses mentioned in Scripture. I believe they're all distinct uh, persons. Uh, this is most likely Gaius of Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 14, we read this about Gaius. 1 Corinthians 1, 14, Paul writes, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. So this is the same Gaius that uh, the Apostle Paul baptized Baptized in the name of the Father and Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptized him because Gaius professed faith in Christ, that Christ had died for his sins, been buried in the tomb, rose again from the grave, ascended into heaven, that this Christ is coming again. So Gaius was baptized by Paul. And what does scripture teach us about Gaius? Gaius showed Christian hospitality to the Apostle Paul and to the whole church and to all of the church. Not that everyone would come to Gaius' house every Sunday for supper, you know, but it, it seems that all of the church had enjoyed, been blessed with Gaius' hospitality. It seems to indicate as well that Gaius uh, was a, a man of means and, and he used his material blessings to bless others, inviting them to, to meals, say, the church can meet in my house. You know, I'm glad to share with you anything that I have in, in the name of Christ. You know, Remember Romans chapter 12, verse 13. It's been a while, but Romans chapter 12, verse 13, speaking of the marks of the true Christian, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And Gaius took that literally. He sought to show Christian hospitality to, to those who who needed encouragement, needed food, needed prayers, needed support. You know, hospitality today, you know, still, open your your homes. You you may think, well, I don't have a great home and I'm not a great cook. You know, the emphasis is, is on the heart. Show hospitality. You know, just invite someone over for for a cup of coffee or sweet tea. And say, you know, let let me listen to you. Let me pray with you. You know, that that gospel solidarity in Christ. Now, Gaius, and we move quickly then to Erastus. Erastus, the city treasurer. That term used there could also be understood that he was the director of public works. A man of political clout there in in Corinth, and Corinth was no small city. John Murray notes this about Erastus, quote, Erastus occupied a position of influence in the city. The church of Corinth 
comprised men of social station. You know, in other words, our gracious God reassured Christians then and still reassures Christians today with the certainty that he calls and equips Christians to serve him in every walk of life. And yes, that includes politics. You know, pray that the Lord would raise up godly men and women to be a, a, a witness in local, state, national government. I believe that's one of the, the fruits we're reaping today, sour fruit, as Christians have, have said it's not worth it. You know, may we pray that the Lord would raise up Christians to serve him like Erastus did. Sermon for another time, election day. As well, we can rejoice that the city at Corinth, the church at Corinth, contained Christians from all classes of society. You know, that that was God's plan, God's purpose, slave and free, Jew and Gentile, the powerful, along with humble scribes like Tertius, You know, our church today should throw open our front doors to all classes of society here in Opelousas. Why? Because we're to cast the gospel nets widely. You know, listen again, you know, to to God's rich redeeming love in, in Romans 11. 33 through 36, I've been challenging myself to to memorize these verses and not trying to brag, but, you know, you may ask, what do you do for 15 minutes every afternoon when you're undergoing radiation? I I put scripture on three-by-five cards and try to memorize and meditate upon scripture. The Lord has given me that, that time. I'm still working on Romans 11:33 through 36, but, but hear it again. You know, as we think of, of hospitality, of showing the love of Christ, what does the love of Christ look like? Romans 11:33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment and how unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him, that is Christ, for from him and through him and to him are all things. You know, to him be glory forever. Amen. You know, God's holy love in Christ compels us to express Christ's love to all people. And finally, Quartus is the last one. You know, he, he goes from Gaius, you know, notable, Erastus, notable, Quartus. Name is only mentioned here. And the only thing we know about Quartus is Paul calls him a brother. You know, but isn't that high, holy praise? So this is my brother in Christ. For some of you, you may be wondering, you take a close look. Um, You don't see verse 24 of Romans. It's a footnote there in the ESV Bible. Uh, The verse is this, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The reason it's there is a footnote. This verse wasn't in the earliest 
most reliable manuscripts. It was in the later manuscripts. The other reason it, it may not have been included, we see the same truth there in Romans sixteen twenty. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. But don't doubt your Bibles. You know, just in closing, you know, last week we talked about counterfeit gospels, you know, therapeutic gospel last week. You know, I believe there's, and the book writes about it, they call it the counterfeit gospel of, of being churchless. And you hear that today. You know, church attendance is still plummeting in the United States, even after COVID. Many people have not returned to church. Still dropping. You know, they figured, well, I can either watch live stream at home or maybe I don't have to watch at all. You know, what does uh, the churchless, those who claim to be a Christian, uh, we really don't need the church. You know, I made it through COVID without coming to church and I'm still standing. I you know, I can worship God at home, you know, or I can worship God out on the boat on Sunday, out on the golf course, or I can worship with my family at, at the park or on the ball field. You know, what's special about 1030 on Sunday morning? You know, the last hymn, and I'll make a couple applications is blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. Before the Father's throne, we pour our ardent prayers. Our fears, our hopes, our aims are one. Our comforts and our cares. There, there is a solidarity in, in Christ. You know, in in serving Christ together, in worshiping Christ together, in bearing witness for Christ together. You know, it's a witness to a watching world around us. All to God's glory in Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we, we thank you that we live in union with the risen Christ by your grace and for your glory, but thank you as well for the solidarity that, that we can know as a church with our brothers, sisters in Christ, all ages, all classes of society, all incomes, all, all sorts of backgrounds, Lord. May we be a witness, Lord, to a watching world, a witness of the grace of God, the goodness of God, the mercy, a God who is rich in mercy to us in Christ. In whose name we pray, amen.